Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hey there, I'm Grant Wall. Welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. This week's interview guest is Keith Costigan, who broadcasts games for Fox Sports and the Seattle Sounders. A quick reminder, if you like the podcast, it would really help us if you go to Apple Podcasts and provide a rating and a review. And we'd appreciate you recommending the podcast to someone you know. Onward! Our guest today is one of my favorite people in the business. Keith Costigan is a busy, busy man who broadcasts games for Fox Sports and the Seattle Sounders. He also has a UEFA A coaching license, and he somehow found the patience to survive a month with me on the road at Euro 2012, driving around Poland and Ukraine for Fox Sports. Keith, thanks for joining me. Thank you. And that actually, you know, however tough that month was in terms of, uh, you know, getting everything together was actually one of the funnest times I've ever had in this business. So, Me too, uh, my friend. <laughs> Me too. Some some great memories from that trip. Um, we're recording this on February 28th, uh, but it's coming out on March 5th. Um, I There's a lot on your plate. I want to ask you about that. Like, uh, you're doing all sorts of things for Fox Sports. Uh, you're doing a lot of Bundesliga. Um, you're going to be doing other stuff too. Are you, are you doing some uh, Liga MX? Are you doing some MLS? Yeah, I've, do, I've done some Liga MX over the last uh, 12 months. I'll be involved in MLS. Uh, we're doing CONCACAF Champions League. So, yeah, for me, <laughs> I mean, look, uh, we're all lucky to work in this business. If I wasn't working these games, I would be watching these games. I'm a, I'm a junkie for games. So it's, uh, I, I never class this as a job because it's, you know, it's what I love to do. So being busy, yes, um, uh, definitely one of the busiest, I would say, in this business. But I absolutely love what I do. So you'll never get a complaint from me on that. Well, and you're also, you're also doing Seattle Sounders games. Uh, so how does that work? How do you divide up your time so that you can do stuff with Seattle, but then also do stuff in LA for Fox Sports? Well, I'm, I'm lucky with, with Seattle um, and, and Fox. I have a good relationship. So I, once I get my Seattle schedule ahead of time, 
you know, I work with my bo uh, bosses at Fox to ensure that we don't have any kind of um, uh, conflicts within the, the game schedule. Um, you know, travel-wise, Seattle, LA, it's not it's not too difficult. So, I mean, there's times when on a Saturday morning, um, you know, I can do a Bundesliga game and Saturday night I'm doing Seattle. And it, it, it's funny that some people still don't get the idea that I'm not actually in Germany doing the games. They'll say, wow, you made it back from Munich quickly and... You know, I don't, I, I don't even want to get it. I go, yep, yep, quick flight, you know. I mean, sometimes it's best just to, to let people believe. Um, yeah, I can have some bu busy Saturday days when it's uh, MLS and Bundesliga. You don't, I, I do, th I've never noticed you ever saying, though, during a Bundesliga game, uh, it's a cold night here in Munich or anything <laughs> like that. So. Um, I feel I feel like what he enjoy at times, you know, you look out and I've said, God, it, it looks cold. And I'm like, I better not say it on air like that because yeah, you, you, you don't want to sell something that's not, not completely true. <laughs> so you are doing a lot of Bundesliga games. I've really enjoyed your broadcasts, uh, really enjoyed this Bundesliga season. And I'm wondering what has stuck out to you about this Bundesliga season and, and what your thoughts are for the rest of the way here. Yeah, I, I think, look, we've had the, the league for, I think it's five seasons now. And yeah, this is far and away the best season that I've ever covered the Bundesliga. I mean, look, this Bayern team is, is very, very good. I think you saw how they handled Chelsea in the Champions League, how good they can be. But I think with Leipzig, we're seeing the, uh, the team that's been built over the last few years now ready to compete. And I think in Dortmund, you're seeing... Uh, the cycle come back, you know, under Klopp, they had some of the top young players in the world at that time. And I think right now they do again in Jaden Sancho and, and Haaland. So um, all of a sudden, it's not just Bayern. We have two, potentially three challengers when you consider how good Gladbach have been. So it, it, it just means you're excited every weekend. And it's not, oh, OK, here we go again. It's Bayern. They're going to they're gonna gallop to the, the, the title. That's not the case this time. So I think that's exciting for the neutral watching at home. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see if American audiences, now that you're also a Liverpool fan, by the way, so congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we can we can say that's, can we say that's a title yet? Can we? No, no, no okay. I'm one of those Liverpool fans that will not, you know, I've been through too much with this club to say we're done. When it's done, I will celebrate until then. Uh, yeah. No. Okay, so keeping that in mind, uh, there's not exactly a title race in England right now, which has made me wonder if maybe more American viewers might want to watch a great title race and a great league in Germany. Um, and I, I'm wondering, too, like, you know, like maybe I don't know if you grew up watching the German league. Like, what is it about the German league? Is there anything particular or unique about the Bundesliga that you really enjoyed broadcasting? Yeah, I, I think for me, the, the game day atmosphere, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter what stadium. I mean, some that stick out for me, Eintracht Frankfurt, you know, when when we call games and it, it's it's inside their stadium, uh, Dortmund. I think the game day atmosphere at, at the Bundesliga games, um, you could argue is the best in Europe. That, that's how mm -hmm. good it is. The fan atmosphere is so organic. Um, it, it's just absolutely incredible how the home fans get behind their teams. I mean, even Werder Bremen, who've struggled this season, their fans uh, a couple of weekends ago um, where they were losing were still just 150% behind the team. So I think for me, that when you're broadcasting the game, it comes out uh, through the broadcast. So I think for me, that's the one thing that stands out. And 
Yeah, for anybody that doesn't watch uh, the Bundesliga, you know, you do have the, the Premier League snobs. Um, I would say ju- just watch the, 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 the quality level over the last couple of weeks in Champions League. Look at Leipzig, what they did going mm-hmm. away to Tottenham. Look at Bayern Munich at Chelsea. There's some of the top teams in European football right now are playing in the Bundesliga. So, you know, you, you mix that with the game, the atmosphere. And I think, look, yeah, there's, there's a lack of a title race in other countries. There's not in the Bundesliga. And I think if you watch it, it's quite easy to get hooked pretty quickly. Yeah, plus I think Dortmund's got a good chance against PSG in the return leg uh, in Champions League. That, that's incredible. And, this, and the story with Tuchel as well, coming up against his, his former club. I, I think PSG is such a tough job because yeah. you're just only going to be judged on the Champions League. And that, look, they have enough quality to win it, but they just don't seem to be able to get over that final hurdle. You know, one thing I always like to ask uh, broadcasters and you know, you're doing mostly play-by-play these days. Uh, what are the most important things, in your opinion, to doing play-by-play of a game on TV? Um, I mean, for me, I, ju- I just try to have all the stories, uh, the, the relevant stories, you know, in mind leading into a game. Um, but also, I, I, I kind of don't want to overpower the, the listener with story after story. I want the game to tell the story. Um, and, and I also want to make sure, you know, the other night I worked with Alexi Lalas. Last weekend it was Warren. The weekend before it was Ian. So I want to make sure with those people, they're the, they're the analysts. People want to hear their uh, opinion on the game. So just try to set them up as much as possible in terms of giving the color to the game, giving their perspective on what exactly is going on, why it's going on. Um, so, I mean, for me, those are the most important things that, that I look at going into a game in terms of what I would view as I did my job in terms of setting it up for the for the analyst to really give his opinion and, and thoughts on the game. Well, you've got a lot of different skills. Uh, you know, when we were together at the Euro in 2012, you were working mostly as a producer uh, for Fox, but you've also done color analysis. You've done play-by-play. You've interviewed some of the top figures in the game, which I'll ask you about soon, too, here. Um what sort of led to your transition to doing more play-by-play? Uh, I, I think, you know, John T. Whitehead, I think you know very well, obviously, yeah. uh, my former boss uh, at Fox. You know, I was doing some analyst work and, you know, I felt like I was good. And I, I said, I went to John T. I said, hang on. I said, there's so many great players that are, you know, moving on from playing and they go into uh, a TV role. The analyst role is the one they're going to they're gonna want. And for me, you know, I can't compete. Even if I feel like I, I have relevant opinions, you can't compete with a player who's played 100 times for their country and, you know, all of those kind of things. So I said, I really think I could do a good job as play-by-play. And I was kind of, you know, interested to hear what his perspective would be. And he said, that's an excellent idea. Let's mm-hmm. get you started next week in terms of practicing games. Uh, he, we did a lot of games behind the scenes. You know, I, I shadowed other people. And, um, yeah, I mean, just the support he gave me to, to lead into that. And I think very early on I got to work with uh, Brian McBride and we, we, we got very positive reviews together. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it, it was my idea. But without the support of Jonty, that would have never happened. And, you know, luckily I, I worked with great people like Brian early on that, you know, kind of solidified my 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 position as a as a play by play broadcaster. No, it's really interesting. Johnny Whitehead was also my boss when I worked at Fox, and uh, really a a smart guy with a lot of experience in the broadcasting world, both in the UK, uh, 
in the U.S. with Fox, and and he's back in uh, Qatar uh, these days, getting ready for the World Cup over there. Uh, and you need people like that in in the business who can who can help you figure out those things. Um, I don't know if you're doing a ton of interviews these days, but you certainly have Keith done a lot of interviews of some of the biggest figures in the sport. Um, can you name some of those and sort of what what you've learned from those experiences? Yeah, I I, I, lo- I absolutely love and I'm fascinated to sit down with people and we, we all judge people, right? Grant, you talk to a lot of people. Whenever you meet someone, you, you're kind of judging how they interact with you, not just on camera but off camera. But I, I, I love that part of the job. You know, I've got to interview Jurgen Klopp, Jose Mourinho, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, you know, Steven Gerrard. Um, so, some some really top top level players in England, top level managers, and yeah, it's a it's a part of the job. I haven't done it as much over the last, you know, eighteen months because you know at Fox we haven't had Champions League, um, but yeah, I mean for me it's 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 a great opportunity to to you know you mentioned the UEFA A license. I, I also love sitting with coaches and and you know kind of you know racking their brain about the, the coaching side and and how they deal with players. So. Uh, yeah, I, I love meeting people, and and those the, the ones I named are some of the the ones that I've really enjoyed interviewing and 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 being given good perspective from. You know, getting a UEFA A coaching license is no joke, not a, a an easy thing to do. It takes a lot of time. Um, how did you go about doing that? Why did you want to do that? Yeah, we, it, it was funny. I was sitting with Garth Lagaway, um, and uh, he was joking. He was like, "Wait, you have the A license." Isn't isn't Gonzo Pineda and Jimmy Traore working on their A license right now? And I said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've already finished it. And he said, Why aren't we Why aren't we making fun of them for this? So, um, <laughs> no. Look, I, I've always wanted a coach, and and I feel like, um, you know, as commentators, a lot of us we get our stat packs, and it's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna read over these stats and ensure that I know all the stats going in. But, it, you know, I know I'm play by play, but within that, there's color within the game too that I can I can bring across. You know, tactical changes. It, it allows me to ask the right questions to set up the, the 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 color commentator in the right way. So, yeah, for me, it's information. And and anytime you can add more information on the craft that you're working on, you know, that can only be a good thing. So, um, it's something I'll continue to do to to complete my education on on the coaching side. But yeah, I've I've loved every minute of taking those courses alongside some great players and coaches as well. Now. Do you want to coach? I mean, is this something that we could see you at some point doing less media or, or no media at that point and moving into coaching? Well, I'll see if you agree with me on this because you, you've worked in the media world as well. I've always said that the media, our, our work media-wise is so subjective. How, how can you actually prove you're better than anybody at it? You can say, somebody can come in and say, I don't think you're good and I don't have any reference point to show that I am. It's just... It's, it's so opinionated, but when it comes to coaching, you can point to results, you can point to you know, the way your team plays as, as proof that you're better than someone else. So that's why I love coaching. And yeah, look, I, I've built um, Ventura Fusion. Um, have, we're giving a, a, a DA academy to play against the other MLS teams, and, and I've helped build an academy over the last couple of years and get positive results against the likes of LA Galaxy and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've enjoyed that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, coaching is certainly something that I have interest in. And, uh, yeah, moving forward, I, I wouldn't rule it out. But then again, I also love, 
the broadcasting side too. So if there was a way to merge both, I, I would certainly do it. Nice. Um, I'm curious to know, how would you come to America in the first place? Fill our listeners in. Uh, I, I was playing in League of Ireland, um, which if anybody knows is, uh, it, it, look, it's a, it's a good league, but it's not a league. I knew my level. I knew, you know, I was never going to make money as a professional or anything like that. So um, I, I was offered a college uh, scholarship. I came to America. I was in a Georgia for two years first, and I came to California. After that, I went to play for, for Portland Timbers, and then randomly to, to, to get to the Fox part of it, I was down training with the LA Galaxy in the offseason, and uh, I was approached by a Fox producer, Nick Webster, who said, hey, you know, uh, Brent Sancho is your teammate. He's going to be playing for Trinidad next week. I'm calling the game. Can you can you set me up on a call? I did, and then all of a sudden he said, hey, do you want to call the game with me? Uh, there you go. There's the, everybody says to me, you know, what was it like, you know, studying, you know, broadcasting in school? And I said, I have a finance degree. I didn't study broadcasting. So, um, you know, it fell on my lap early on, but um, I quickly fell in love with it and, you know, put my heart and soul into it. But, you know, as many great stories for people started, it was definitely a little bit of luck and being in the right place at the right time that got me to where I am right now. Now, was was it called Fox Sports World or Fox Soccer Channel at that point when you started? It was. It had just changed to Fox Soccer Channel. So yeah, the Fox <laughs> World days were over. Um, but it was it was the days of you know Nick Webster of you know Max Bredos who you know was a great influence on me. Christian Miles, those guys were all mm -hmm. there. So you know that was oh, whoa, fifteen years ago now. It, you don't feel that go by, but yeah. 15 years in the business. I do think there, at some point I should do an oral history of the early days of Fox Sports World and even Fox Soccer Channel and, and what was going on out in LA and and even up in Winnipeg where they had that nightly news show uh, because there are some good stories I've heard over the years and it, it was kind of the Wild West back in those days. It, it, it was more than the Wild I mean, you know, some of... <laughs> Some of the some people were working under difficult circumstances, but yes, I mean it was it was definitely more a mom and pop store rather than you know uh, the, the big Fox Sports that it is now in terms of where you've you've worked with us in the in the you know Fox lot. Um, but you know, having said that, you look back at those times and well, there was some fun times as well in the in the old fourteen forty building and. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that would be, if you did that history, that that is something I would tune in for, for sure. Hey, I want to shout out Dermot McQuarrie, who uh, basically set that channel up back in the day. And, and I think just in, this, in a similar way that ESPN showing the World Cup in a new way in the U.S. made the World Cup a big event in the U.S. for the first time, I think Fox Sports World and Fox Soccer Channel and Dermot and everyone who is connected to that outfit – uh, deserve some credit for really getting soccer broadcasting going in the U.S. because a lot of people today don't even recall that 15 years ago, even 15, 20 years ago, the U.S. was a wasteland. It was a terrible country to watch soccer in on television. And now it's one of the best countries in the world in which to watch soccer on TV. Yeah, I, I talk to people back in Europe all the time and they're like, wow you guys get every game. I said, yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're blessed. It doesn't matter what time. There's no, no, there's no Saturday afternoon blackout for us. And yeah, I, I think actually I still talk with Dermot every now and again. Nice. If, if I have a game, he'll message me and go, you did well. But you know, Dermot, you'd be like, thanks, Dermot. I felt good about it. 
keep your head down, let it, you know, there's no, there, there's no, there's no, you know, patting yourself on the back too much. And I, I think with that, it's allowed me to stay grounded. You're only as good as your last match, I think was the, the, the attitude Dermot had. And yeah, he had a tremendous influence on so many people. Now, I'm curious to know, because you've spent a lot of time in the U.S. now, uh, you've been part of the American soccer culture. What have you learned about American soccer in particular? Uh, I, I think, you know, if you look at MLS, I think the growth of MLS has been unbelievable. I'm, I'm proud to, to be a part and, and, and work within that league. But I, I think when you bring so many cultures together, and, and that's what U.S. is, you have so many you know, differing opinions and different directions people want to go, it becomes it becomes really difficult. America is almost too big to have one common theme in terms of this is the way we're going to move forward. And it's ever changing. You have a European influence, you have a Latin influence. And, uh, you, you know, for me, I don't like I don't like linking myself with any. I'm like, look, there's there's good ideas and there's bad ideas in both camps. Um, but but I think when you look at U.S. soccer, you look at um youth national teams, the directions of the academy. I think we're moving in the right direction. But again, I, I would say with all of those people, the, the good people need to come together. It's not it's not a, a Latin influence or European. There's good ideas within both camps. We need to we need to merge them, mesh them and and, and move forward. But that's that's easier said than done. But I, I think, you know, from when I came here to where where it is now with the academy system, with everything else, I, I think the US has made incredible strides over the last couple of decades. I think I might know the answer to this, but I wanted to ask you, as a coach, what kind of a style would you, do you prefer your teams to play? I, I, I like to play. I mean, for me, um, you know, I would, I would look at, you know, the, I, I would say as a coach, why would you not look at the best teams in the world and the best coaches, the Pep Guardiola's, the, the Jurgen Klopp's in terms of wanting to press, wanting to win the ball back high, I've never been a believer in, like, why would you play a game where you want the opposition to have more of the ball? I think Mourinho's had great success, but that wouldn't be my style. So I want to be on the front foot. And I want players to express themselves. And, you know, I work with a lot of young players now in the academy structure. And for me, I want to make sure that they feel like they can make a mistake because that's going to happen in games. So mm. that gives you a reference point to build on. So if a player, if something doesn't work, what happened? How do we fix that? Let's move forward rather than, you know, have players feel inhibited by a coach. Don't do this. Don't do that. I want them to be I want them to be on the front foot. So I would say if you watch my teams, you would see an identity that they're going to be going forward and, and, and trying to create. And I think that's the most important thing, especially when you're working with young players. You're speaking to me from Seattle right now. Uh, what have you learned about the city of Seattle and the Sounders as a team since you started working there? I, I think Seattle is just one of those natural um, cities in terms of the, the city gets behind the team. Mm -hmm. It's 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 not just the football. You know, when you go to certain cities, uh, you know, teams or fans have, have a great fan base. I think Seattle people just have a, a, a great sense of pride for this region, for their city, to represent their city. So um, I think we saw it in MLS Cup last year. I was... You know, I've always been blown away coming up here with, with how the, the, the city gets behind the team and, and really good causes for the team as well. But it's they're so proud of representing the colors, of, of representing Seattle. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it, it's great. Look, when I came in, I was, I was considered a little bit of an outsider and you have to win people over. And, you know, for me, 
I, it might have been difficult at first, but I could say I actually respect that because it's, look, not just anybody's going to do this. We care. We care about our team. We care about the product that we put out there. And, uh, and for me, that means so much. And to be a part of that is, is, is pretty incredible. I, I think Brian Smetzer is the perfect manager for this club because he bleeds Seattle. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's one of those, one of those incredible um, cities that represents sports in, in the best possible way in America. So they're okay with you being uh, ex-Portland Timbers? No, and we're, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. No, they're never going to be okay with that. Um, but that happened a long time ago. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm. it's funny. We talked about this the other day. I'll still get, you know, I, I can tweet something out and, you know, you can get like a lot of people. That's great. You know, you know, good news, great game. And then I'll get one where it's like, ah, you're an ex-Timber or whatever. <laughs> and I'm gone. I guess you'll never live it down. But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm 100% Seattle now and, and I, I love doing my work here. I, I want to finish up by going back to Liverpool um, because this is such a special season that Liverpool has had. W- what is your story with how you chose Liverpool? Uh, so I, I was, you know, really young. I think maybe four or five, and and my brother, um, I would copy my brother a lot. And one one day he said, you know, I do this. What do you do? And I would copy everything he did. And he said, I support Man United. Who do you support? And I said, Liverpool. <laughs> and it was the first time I'd kind of gone against him. And I actually think he'd supported Liverpool for it. He was one of those Fairweather fans, you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I just stuck with Liverpool. And my dad took me over eight or nine to watch a game. Uh, Liverpool won 6-2 against Norwich. And I was hooked, um, you know. So I've I've supported Liverpool throughout everything. I, I had a tough time in my own life in 2005. And that was the year Liverpool went won the Champions League. And I, I, I always remember thinking like, wow, you know, I was meant to support this team because mm. I've, I've never had too many issues in life. But this year was tough and Liverpool went and won the Champions League against all odds. So it, it kind of it, it gave me hope within life, if, 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 if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've had a great relationship with the club, uh, with the owners and everybody. And, yeah, it, it's you know, I'll watch Bundesliga, I cover Bundesliga, but yeah, at the weekend as well. I, I don't miss a Liverpool game. It, it's my club and, you know, again, like you mentioned it earlier, you won't hear me mention it. <laughs> We're close, but it's until it happens, I will not believe it. That's that's how long it's been and that's how much um that's how much this club means to me. It's uh it, it it's it's more than just a football team for me. It's a way of life. So if 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 uh Liverpool clinches at a certain point in the next month month and a half i guess um where would you be when that happens and what would be like your circumstances of witnessing that well first of all i'll, I'll be in tears somewhere wherever it happens <laughs> you know, I hope, hopefully i can make it back last year uh, the champions league win i was i was lucky enough to celebrate with the team afterwards and that was just unbelievable in madrid one of my favorite cities in the world as well um i, I will try make it back um if there is a a team function, I, I will certainly get back for that. But um, I think there was Alan Edge, who was a writer before, and, and, he, and he talked about being a fan of any team. And he said, you don't need to be there. It's as long as when there's a game being played at that time, you're thinking about your team. That shows how much of a fan you are. Um, and and whatever, whatever I am, when it happens, if it happens, it, there'll definitely be tears in the Costigan household, that's for sure. <laughs> nice. Well, Keith Costigan, It is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Congratulations on all the things you're doing and 
Thank you. Thank you very much, Graham. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Keith Costigan, as well as producer Harry Swartout, and everyone at Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Remember, if you like the podcast, it would really help us out if you go to Apple Podcasts and provide a rating and a review. And we'd appreciate you recommending the podcast to someone you know. See you next time.